Hey y'all, welcome back to the Dorn Podcast, episode four. Today we have my little sister, Megan Webbin. We're so excited to interview her about her journey with biblical literacy and how the gospel has a role in that journey. And welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Aaron and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. Okay, so Megan, we're so excited that you're joining us for the Adorn podcast today. Um, this is Megan. She is Aaron's sister. My sis. Little sister. <laughs> Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, Megan. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. I feel honored to be on your podcast. So to start, I'm happily married to my husband, Joel. He's a pastor of a church plant here in San Diego called the Response Church. So I guess that makes me a pastor's wife. Um, I'm a new mom <laughs> to my daughter, Olive Naomi. She's turning four months tomorrow. I'm a native of San Diego, which you actually don't meet many of those. And um, I also wait, work part-time as a nurse on a medical oncology unit. Wow, we have a lot in common. I'm a pastor's wife and a nurse as well, but I'm not working right now. But that's okay, awesome. you so miss fun. it? Um, actually, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel the same way. I'm on maternity leave, and I have friends that are like, "Oh, can you not wait to go back?" And I'm like, "Oh no, I I can definitely wait." <laughs> I can yeah, definitely wait. yeah. I worked for just a little bit after our first daughter was born, and. I was done. I was like, you know what? This this is not for me anymore. So I ended up staying home full time and I honestly don't miss it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. If we didn't live in um, super expensive San Diego, I would be <laughs> staying home full time too. But. Oh, yes. I get that. So tell me, did you always see yourself as being a pastor's wife? No, I never... I really had a thought about it before meeting Joel. And I actually had quite a few people ask me, I don't know if this happened to you too. Um, well, I guess maybe Jonathan wasn't a pastor before you guys got married. That's kind of a weird thing in and of itself to date a pastor. Super confusing to figure out. But anyways, a lot of people <laughs> ask me like, oh, growing up, did you think you'd marry a pastor? Or did you want to be a pastor's wife? And I really, I think God just, maybe saved me from that, uh, potentially becoming an idol or something. Cause I really never thought uh -huh. about it or I never really had a close relationship with a pastor's wife. So I don't think I had this big built up role or, um, kind of reputation or shoes that I thought I had to fill. And I, I think that's just been God's grace, um, that, that Joel has kind of led me through, um, a healthy perspective on, what being his wife, which makes me a pastor's wife, is. So, yeah, no. I love that so much. That's wonderful. So tell us three random facts about yourself so our listeners can get to know you just a little bit more. So I am a big sucker for some pretty obscure board games. I'm a big gamer in that way. <laughs> uh, tell me about those. That's hilarious. Oh, okay. So our most recent one is called Century Spice Road. <laughs> Name. It's it actually really so nerdy, fun. But it sounds super nerdy, but it was really fun. We played it at Christmas time 
is fun. I know. And Taylor even liked it. He's not even a board game. Yeah, my husband's not a big, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've we've probably introduced it to, I don't know, 15, 20 people, and no one has disliked it. So it's like a game for well, all people. Maybe but we'll have to check it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's almost That's awesome. $80. Joel got it as a Christmas present, and so we looked it up on Amazon. It's pretty expensive, but super fun. Super fun. So fun. Okay, what else? Okay. Um, I'm an embarrassingly talented clogger. <laughs> it's a type okay. of dance. I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> I have. So I was reading over our notes before the show began and I read that and I was like, Erin has never told me about <laughs> that about you. And that is I forget sometimes. Awesome. So do you still clog or was this like a thing of your past? Oh man. I mean every once in a while. I don't I do not do it like competitively or with a group or anything like that every, every once, once in a while, while you do it in your bathroom oh. or what <laughs> I don't know my feet just it's like happy feet they just get happy and they start clogging <laughs> that is so great yeah. oh my goodness I actually I ended up going to college with one of the girls that I grew up clogging with and you know I kind of I knew it was silly but like I did not know how embarrassed she was of it and we were with like a group of friends and I was like oh Jenna, I remember when we used to clog together, and she was like, "Oh, I like don't talk about that." And I was like, oh, "Okay, all right." <laughs> <laughs> sorry, so sorry, funny. sorry. So, how old were you when you started clogging? <laughs> oh gosh, I think I was maybe ten or eleven. No, you were littler than that. You were like, I think you had to be like seven. I only did it for like three or four years, <laughs> and I remember like going into middle school. I think I was kind of old. Oh, okay. oh my goodness. Yeah, I just that remember I wanted so to do funny. a dance. I like, I, cool. I was thinking more like hip-hop, like the cool girls did. And <laughs> the dance, like, our next-door neighbor taught clogging. And so I could just, like, walk over there. And, of course, that's super convenient for my mom to not have to drive me. So she was like, you should clog. And I just ran with it. <laughs> Didn't look back. <laughs> My favorite part is the outfits y'all used to wear. They were like oh. so crazy, you guys. They were like leotards, but like pantsuits, and they were just super, super you know, fabulous. Maybe we should get a picture of Megan, Megan in her clogging outfit and yes. put it in our show notes. Yes, yes. <laughs> that is it right there. Yeah. So everybody can enjoy it. I love that. Okay, tell us one more random fact about yourself. Um... I wouldn't consider myself a huge rebel, but one area that I do like to rebel in is by not following recipes. So I will like look up ideas and I, I love to cook. So I love being in the kitchen, but as soon as like I pull up a recipe, I like feel like I can't look too closely because I want to do it myself. <laughs> that totally runs in our family. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's how dad is. Think about it. Dad never follows a recipe. And then that's the same way I am. I'm like, I feel the need to at least change one thing if I look at a recipe instead of just following it straight. So the Riley family are complete rebels. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Rebels in the kitchen. So rebellious. Rebels in the kitchen. Oh Doesn't goodness. work so well with bacon. Yeah. Let me tell you. No. 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 <laughs> no. But I still try it and it usually always fails. Is that a weird yeah. thing though, Casey? Usually. Do you not do that? So I don't, I follow a recipe to the T, but Jonathan totally does. He like, yeah, he hates recipes. So, yep. 
That's so funny. So tell us, now that we know all the fun, quirky stuff about you and a little bit about um, just you as a person, tell us a little bit about, like, what's your heartbeat for the church? So I think my two biggest passions for our church at the response is just our women's ministry. Um, It's pretty young, and we've just gotten things started with having some women's brunches every other month where different women in the church who have a um, a desire to grow in their gift of teaching are able to, to teach from the Word of God. And it's just a place for women to come together and fellowship and hopefully build relationships that are Christ-centered. Um, so that's one of my biggest passions. And the other would be our church's discipleship groups. We call them gospel groups. So it's three to five men with men and women with women. And they're really just life-on-life accountability groups that meet weekly and focus on the confession of sin and repentance and just growing in our our walks with the Lord. So those are things I'm really passionate about. And something I've had a growing passion for over the last couple of years is biblical counseling. I've just seen a huge need for it in the church and especially for, for women in the church who maybe have gone through past abuse or just have a really sensitive subject that they need some some counsel in that they may not want to talk to a male pastor and yeah my heart has just really grown to want to meet that need and I know I have a long way to go to to gain the skills and the knowledge of the bible in in such a way to apply it to such sensitive issues but um, yeah my heart really longs to fulfill that need and in some capacity down the road but for now I'm really grateful for the opportunity I get to do marriage counseling alongside my husband and and grow in uh, my ability to counsel in that way. I love that. I think that um, fits really well with what we're having you on the show for about um, biblical literacy and how that just can relate to different parts of our lives. And in order to counsel, like you're saying, biblically, then you need to be growing in biblical literacy. Yeah, I love that a lot. Um, I think you're also hitting on another thing that Aaron and I have talked about quite a bit, and that's the discipleship. We just, I think we both have a heart for discipleship as well. So I love that that's something that your church is really focusing a lot on. Um, Can you give us your definition of biblical literacy? Yeah, so, man, when I was thinking about this, I'm tempted to to go just pick up Jim Wilkins' book, Women of the Word, which I know both of you are big fans of as well, but... I think her definition oh, yes. is probably <laughs> more concise and mm-hmm. yeah, she's oh, yes. such a great <laughs> communicator along these lines. But if I was to define it in my own words, I would say biblical literacy is the Christian's ability to know and understand the truth of the gospel through the written words of scripture so that he or she may better know the holiness of God and how we as Christians are called to glorify him as our savior. So I think to go even a little farther, (laughs) yeah, I didn't come up with that just first try, but um, I think there's at least two things that biblical literacy provides us with. And I'd say the first is a a profound understanding that God doesn't exist for me and he doesn't exist to make much of me, but I exist to make much of him this switch of focus. And the second thing I think that biblical literacy provides is a more accurate perspective of, again, that that holiness of God and the wickedness, that sinfulness of me, sinfulness of man. So I'd say 
one of the signs that we're growing in biblical literacy is our view of that gap between God and ourselves is increasing, not decreasing. And I've just seen it time and time again. I think it's sad that for many Christians, that view of the gap between God and themselves is continually getting smaller. And as a result, these individuals end up feeling better about themselves. But in reality, they're just decreasing their dependence on God's grace. And that's why I think it's it's so important to, to continue this journey in biblical literacy so that we don't um, decrease our view of God and his holiness and, and feel like we're getting um, better to the point where we're just a little below him. You know, this, this gap just becomes so small and not so we walk around just feeling bad about ourselves, but that we would walk around in an understanding of how massive the grace of God is. I don't know. Have either of you heard of the book Gospel-Centered Life by Bob Thune? Yes. I haven't read it, but I think I grabbed it when I was at y'all's house and kind of looked through the first couple pages. It's white with green writing, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. Yeah. it. It's super good. It's great for going through like in a group context, but there's, I can't remember which chapter it said. It's called the cross chart. And it's this idea that I'm kind of talking about with the gap between God and man. And if you imagine kind of a vertical line, and then at the point of conversion where you're, you've given a new heart and you're regenerated, there's a line, it's kind of like a sideways V, a line that goes up, which represents the holiness of God, and a line that goes down, which is the sinfulness of man. And in reality, you know, when once God saves us, we don't become more sinful, but as we, as our eyes are opened, as we are in the word and, and we're growing in our understanding of God, we grow in, in how holy he is. We grow in our understanding and see him rightly, as well as we grow in our understanding of just how wicked our own hearts are. And between that V, between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man is connected by the cross. And I think it's just a great visual to see that the cross is what fills that gap. And if we're growing yeah. with a shrinking V, um, that cross gets smaller and smaller, and we become less dependent on Jesus and the work that he's done on our behalf. But if we leave that gap large, and as we are in the word and growing in our understanding of God and man, that cross gets bigger and bigger. And as we walk with Jesus, we become more dependent on him, not less. So I probably went way beyond the definition there, but it's something <laughs> I'm passionate about. So, yeah, I like how you explain that. I think, um, a lot of times, like you're saying, we think the more we learn about God, the more we're going to, like you're saying, close that gap. But in reality, the more we learn about God, the more we learn about our place and our standing and our sinfulness. And so the more we are made aware of his holiness, then in turn, the more we're made aware of our sinfulness. And that, like you're saying, that dependence grows larger on Christ and what Christ has done in, for us. Yeah, that's really good. Now I want to read that book. Yeah, it's super easy read. So Megan, tell us a little bit about um, how you learned about biblical literacy. Was it a mentor, a book, at church, Bible study? What really stirred your passion for this subject specifically? Yeah, I'd say the the biggest way that I've learned about biblical literacy would be through the pulpit on Sunday mornings. The preaching pastor, who most of the time happens to also be my husband in my case. Most of the time he's your husband? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Just we have nice. other people preaching. So he's always my husband, sometimes my preaching husband. <laughs> 
but yeah, they're tasked. <laughs> um, he's tasked to know and study the scripture in a way that me as a layperson is usually just practically unable to, usually because of time or mostly time. I would say that's the biggest thing. So I've been so blessed by him and the other preaching pastors at our church who have faithfully led us through multiple books of the Bible, uh, verse by verse each Sunday. And I was able to see that my pastors on Sunday weren't skipping parts of the books that we're going through. So, so neither should I, like I should really wrestle with these verses and, and see scripture as God breathed and important and vital to my Christian walk. So I'd say overall between the teaching pastors at my church and my husband at home, helping me understand maybe the specific text that I'm going through of the Bible. Biblically literate teachers in my local church have been the biggest contributor to my biblical literacy. That's, that's such a um, awesome answer. And I think that's um, something a lot of people can relate to who go to churches that teach this way um, verse by verse. Is there anything you can say to someone who maybe um, attends a church that doesn't teach this way? Is there any encouragement or anything you could give them? Hmm. Um, I would say my hope would be that that church maybe has a Bible study or, or some way to still be in the Word themselves, but also sit underneath someone who maybe has a little bit more knowledge of the Scripture or has more time to study it or has more years under their belt of studying Scripture to where they can follow by example to see how someone divides Scripture and, um, you know, interprets Scripture with Scripture and, and does a really good exegesis. So maybe it's not in the pulpit, which I, I would hope it is, but if it's not, like you're saying, if it's a church that maybe doesn't do expositional preaching, and then I would look into and take advantage of any Bible study setting or Sunday school setting where you can sit under the teaching of someone who maybe has more time or experience or um, just knowledge of the word, of how to exegete the word and to really to study the word rightly. Um, I think that really is just invaluable. And maybe you're at a church that they don't have any of those opportunities and maybe this is the Lord putting it on your heart to start something like that. And, you know, there's a humble way to do that where you can be real about where you're at and maybe your knowledge or your lack of knowledge in that area. Um, but bring that desire forward to the pastors and see what they, see what they say about it. That's good. That's so great. And I think that's a good point because that kind of also covers the discipleship aspect. If, if you're not um, getting that type of biblical literacy from the pulpit on Sunday, then maybe you can get it in more of a discipleship type form. Or I love what you said, like maybe God's using you to, to start that and bring that and make that um, just available within your own church. I love that. So how would you say um, your walk with the Lord has changed since you've been growing in biblical literacy? It's hard for me to really separate uh, my growth in biblical literacy from my growth in my understanding of the gospel, because I just think they're so intertwined. So before we go on about how you've been growing in biblical literacy, can you kind of stop and explain exactly what the gospel is and how it plays into biblical literacy? So biblical literacy opens our eyes to the gospel as we see it written on the pages of scripture, as we dive in to understand it better. But we could also talk about how the gospel 
gives us a desire for biblical literacy. The gospel gives us a desire to know God and the word that he's written to us. And we could talk about how the gospel is what catches us when we fail to desire biblical literacy rightly. So I'd start with this fact, basically the gospel, to say, I worship a God who loved me, a rebel, enough to send his only son to live the perfect life, die the perfect death, and take on the wrath of God in my place so that I may stand wholly justified before him and live eternity with him. So a gospel proclamation, we've probably heard it, you know, a thousand times, but if we really just rest with that and see how amazing that gospel is, that is the God that we worship. And he's incredibly merciful. He's just, he's kind, he's gentle with us, he's compassionate. And when I see the Bible as that God's written word, I want to grow in my understanding of it. If I'd had no interest in the Bible, it would be like, me just being so in love with my husband and in awe of him. But then as soon as he would try to talk to me about who he actually is and what he's done, or even if he wrote it in a book and asked me to read it, I, me just being completely uninterested. It, it doesn't line up. When you love something, you want to know about them. It would be silly to, to turn that down. So yeah, when I, when I love something or someone, I want to know about them. And so the gospel motivates us to be biblically literate in this way, because when the Lord gives us eyes to see that that um, he's a gracious God and that grace displayed in, in his gospel story, we want, we want to read his book. We want to know about that merciful author. And then to touch back on what I previously said, um, if God, when he saved us, he also perfectly sanctified us if we were, you know, like angelic beings, if we didn't have to go along this journey of sanctification. But if he just made us perfect right away, um, this wouldn't be a problem. We would love to be in the word for hours and hours and um, we would desire it rightly at all times. But as you and I both know, that's not our reality. Um, we waver. Our hearts don't always desire to be in the word. And um, because this sanctification is a process and it's, it's a long one, we're fighting a battle between our spirit that's been renewed and our flesh, which is still sinful. And, and the gospel applies here as well in the seasons when I fail to be in awe of God and therefore I don't desire to grow in my understanding of his word. His grace is enough. I can rest in the fact that Jesus was righteous on my behalf and my failures are covered by his blood. And I'm no less loved by God on my bad day than I am on my good day. And the days where I don't desire to be in his word rightly, he still loves me. And that grace is, is what leads me back again to study his word and to know him more. So good. So good. So tell us, how has being a new mommy made your time in the word look different? Or has it at all? It's actually funny that you asked that. I was just reflecting on this last week, um, not to go on a crazy long tangent, but I'm a bit of a busybody. Like, I'm really not so good at the whole staying home deal. Uh, but since having a baby whose favorite hobby is napping, as it is for most 
four month olds, I guess. Um, I've been pretty trapped in my home and by God's grace, I feel like he's really given me a new appreciation for resting and, and being in this home that he's provided for me. So praise God for that. But that back to the question you asked, I've really found a sweetness in the time that I've had at home because of the space that it's created for time in the word. Before all was born, I would find myself filling my schedule and being tempted to leave my time in the Word to just sit in between somewhere. But by God's mercy, through Him trapping me in my home and also a dose of maybe more self-discipline, I've been really enjoying my time with the Lord um, during all's first nap. So I've tried to make it a priority of you know, there's tons of things that could be done in laundry and man, babies spit up so much. So laundry, laundry, laundry. And, you know, cleaning the house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so much spit up. It's crazy. Um, but anyways, there's so many things that could be done, but really just prioritizing. I think you talked about it maybe last week, Casey, of just making it a priority to be in the word. Um, yeah. To understand my need for it would, would send me there first thing in the morning before anything else that I would see it as most important. And yeah, I just enjoyed that sweetness in this season. And of course that's probably going to change as she gets older or maybe another kid gets thrown in the mix and I'll cross that bridge when it comes. But as of now, my time in the word has been really awesome. And I've also had a new perspective on how I read the word and a new motivation to read the word, um, having a little one and just desiring so much that God would save her. Uh, I understand that that God is going to be the one that softens her heart, but I want to do my job as her mother to, to raise her up in the way of the Lord. And I need to know the word and I need to know the Lord that, that I want to raise her up in. So it's just given me like a new motivation to really wrestle with the word and understand it so that I can teach her as she grows older. We're both, you can't see us, but we're both just shaking our head like as hard as we can because Mm -hmm. this is just so good. I mean, um, you bring up a lot that we've already been talking about on past episodes, but about the different seasons. And I love how you're just taking it really day by day right now, you know, Olive has that morning nap and you can use that, but you know, in a few months that may change. And so you're just taking it day by day and you know that getting in the word is the most important thing, even when there's dirty spit up laundry waiting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that you're prioritizing it. And so it just, um, fills your day with what's the most important. And also realizing that before you share God's word with her, you have to know it yourself. And I feel like that's something that sometimes we lose sight of. We forget that that's, as mommies, that's one of our jobs is to know the scriptures so we can share that with our kids. And so when they ask questions, we know the answer or know where to find it for them. So I just love that so much. And we're just over here agreeing with you constantly. Yeah, (laughs) I I totally agree. I think it's so funny because... Well, I think like what Casey was saying, it's such a good point to be flexible with that, especially when you are a mom, because I think sometimes we might have the tendency to make our quiet time an idol. Yes. And we kind of touched on this a little bit last week, but to just have that right perspective of, you know, the seasons are going to change and God knows my heart and I'm going to do my best to make it a priority, but also to just kind of balance that and not make it an idol. 
And then also just what you're talking about, about you have to know something in order to teach it. Absolutely. Which has been such a wonderful thing as my kids get older. I mean, yesterday, Abby asked me, Mom, Jesus and God are the same person, right? And I was like, yes. She's like, but... Jesus came down. So then was God still in heaven? And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to look into this more. And we got this great book called Theology. Um, I don't remember who the author is, but it's really good. And so I was like, let's go read that about the Trinity. And um, I'm just digging deeper into what that looks like so that I can also answer their questions. Sometimes they stump me and I'm like, oh goodness, I need to keep growing. So I love that. Such a good point. Why would you say it's important specifically for women to grow in biblical literacy? So I touched on this concept a little bit earlier, but how our understanding of the Bible gives us insight into first who God is and his holiness, and second, who we are in light of him. And in this world where it seems like the media and academia and parents and bosses are all fighting to to define me as a woman, I am desperately in need to understand how God's word defines me and how does his word define me? It says I'm a broken, hopeless sinner in need of a gracious savior. And we as women need the Bible to tell us that it's like how many other things are getting into our brain, whether it's like Instagram or Facebook or TV or, or whatever is talking to us. And and we need the Bible to define us. We need the Bible to tell us who we are and maybe when the world is giving you a band-aid answer of like, be exactly who you are, don't let anyone change you, it's like signing a yearbook, like have a good summer, don't ever change kind of an answer. It might make <laughs> you feel better for uh, a week or two, but it's only temporarily satisfying. And what they're telling me is not even true. Like, don't ever change. Like, then what about sanctification? Like, I hope I change. I I, I hope that. Um, yes. Yeah, I hope there's change in my heart. And we need the Bible. It's a story about who God is and how he takes us as broken, sinful people who aren't enough. And he redeems us. And the Bible reminding us of our redemption through Christ. And it reminds us that because of Jesus, we get to be redefined as daughters of the King, not just because of anything we do ourselves, but because we worship an abundantly gracious God. So it just gives us a new focus. I know my day-to-day life, I'm so focused on being the best wife or the best mom or being the best friend I can be or best disciple or even even good things that um, I make bad things because they're so self-focused. And I think being engulfed in the Word, you can't help but walk away thinking more about God and, and less about yourself. It just gives you this new perspective of how big... God is, and and touching on, this applies to women as well, but I think men and women alike, I'm reminded of scripture from Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, says, all scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And if I think about my day, how many times I'm looking for a fix or um Correction or almost training myself by Googling this and Googling that or, you know, looking for this book for parenting advice or whatever it may be. Like I'm, I'm looking for, for knowledge and um, how to train myself in this life. And like, am I trusting what it says in Second Timothy? Am I trusting that the Bible is sufficient? 
for those things. Not that we never need, you know, practical advice in this life, but but am I first seeking what God's word says? And am I trusting that it is sufficient and profitable and God breathed for um for tons of areas in, in this life? I love that. It's so good. It's like what it says in Matthew six that seek first his kingdom. And I think sometimes we think that means looking outward versus like, Oh, what can I do to seek his kingdom? But when we take that verse, seek first his kingdom, like seek first his word, like you're saying, and those things will be added to you. So seek first God's face. And in turn, you'll notice yourself being more patient with your kids or whatever that is. So if you're trying to be a good mom, the first step isn't trying to be a good mom. The first step is seeing who God is in his word. And then in turn, you'll grow in those other areas. It's good. Yeah. Good word. Um, is there any encouragement you can give someone wanting to grow in the area of biblical literacy? I would say read your Bible. I know it sounds a lot easier <laughs> said than done, but really, if you haven't read your Bible in a week or a month or a year and you're too embarrassed to even say that out loud, I think that is so common uh, in the church and just in the Christian walk that People are ashamed to even say that they haven't read their Bible in, in a week or two or maybe even a month. So pick it up and pray that the Lord would teach you one thing about him, not you, but him, and start reading. And I would try to just, yeah, read two or three chapters a day. And there's tons of ways that you can grow in, in diving more deeply into commentaries and Bible studies and all of that. And, and maybe that's what you guys are more touching on. But I just know I have talked to so many women that kind of skip over the step of just being in the word and, and becoming familiar with it. And, and I think, I think there's just, there's tons to be said for daily being in the word and starting out small and not feeling like you need to exegete a text and, and understand every little detail. And there's a time and a place for that. And that is beautiful and fruitful. But um, I know for myself, I just needed to be constantly challenged to be in the word and have a consistent rhythm of, of, um, being in the word and, 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 um, preaching the gospel to myself and seeing the gospel written on, on pages throughout the Bible. So yeah, if you have a hard time staying committed to reading, tell your spouse or a friend or roommate or a mentor that you want to commit to reading the Bible consistently and just ask them to hold you accountable by asking you once or twice a week how it's going. And, and I think that goes a long way, but hopefully your heart grows to long for it and to need it. And, um, and yeah, they would really long for that time that you get to be in the Word each day. That's really helped me. So that's my answer. Pick up the Bible, read it. And whatever level you're on, if you're, you know, a newbie to the Bible, just just sit with it. Just read it. And, you know, maybe if you're more experienced, then dive into more of the deeper commentaries and, and a deeper study of, of a text. I love that. We hadn't talked about that yet, about having someone keep you accountable. That's no, a really good hadn't. idea. And that's a great idea. We actually, and here's a little plug, Erin actually started a group at the first of the year um, for people wanting to read their Bible in a year. And it's just a little accountability group on Facebook. And so if you're interested in that, contact one of us and we can add you into that. And you can start in May or in July. You don't have to start in January to read your Bible all the way through. Um, so yes, the... Um, Accountability, accountability is, is super important for sure. So what would you say um, if somebody wanted some resources on biblical literacy other than I know you're saying your Bible, which is obviously the 
resource for biblical literacy. <laughs> but if they just wanted to do some more understanding of what it is and all of that, what would you what would be some resources you would offer for them? Yeah. Um, so just touching off of what you guys were actually talking about, reading the Bible in a year, I think a Bible reading plan is a great place to start. And and also coupling that with biblical literacy and understanding the word better with a, a supplemental resource, not just God's word. I'm going through the McShane Bible reading plan. I think it's a pretty common one. You read like four to five chapters a day and it's spread out. I think you end up reading the Old Testament once in a year and the New Testament and the Psalms twice, I think, something like that. And D.A. Carson write, wrote a book called For the Love of God. And I think there's three volumes, but it's it's written in a way that it has one page of commentary written on one of those four chapters each day. And I have been loving it. So you read your chapters and then you open up your book for the love of God. And I think they also have it free PDF. You can get it on your iPhone. And it just gives you this dose of um, knowledge of a man who has studied the scriptures and knows it so deeply. Uh, so it's just like this kind of this wisdom nugget that you can put put with your reading mm-hmm. of the Bible that day. And so I like being in the scripture and and trusting that the Lord will open my eyes and that I can use my brain to understand it. And then just getting this, this dose of his extra with his extra Mm -hmm. wisdom for me to maybe see it from a different perspective. Yeah. I was the nugget. So I've, I've really been loving that. (laughs) And um, I know you guys have talked about this time and time again, but really Jen Welcome's book, women of the word is just so practical in how to do an in-depth study of the book. And um, she also has a ton of her studies readily available on her website or her podcast. So you can go through studies mm-hmm. and listen to her teachings and uh, she's just a great resource. So those would probably be my biggest two resources and the Bible app. I know you guys have talked about this, but I'm, I don't know if I'm visual or aud- auditory. I, I can't really figure it out because I feel like I need both. Like I either have to read the Bible out loud <laughs> as I'm looking at it. We've talked about that before too. Yeah. Yeah. It's so helpful. Or I have to like have it playing while I just, my brain, like I need my ears and my eyes to be focused or my brain just goes all over the place. So that's a great resource as well. It's good. I love that. I've never heard of that DA Carson book. And before Casey and I were looking at it and we were both like, oh, we want to get that. <laughs> Another book to add to our ever-growing reading list. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's just exactly. a lot of little wisdom nuggets, so, so you don't... Wisdom nuggets. I love that. I'm going to start saying that. Thanks I was going to say, now, now you're going to start hearing that on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so know that the credit goes to you. <laughs> well, we have so loved having you on, Megan. Thank you for sharing just your journey and... Um, some real practical advice about growing in biblical literacy. And we were thinking it would be a good idea to have you leave us today. We always leave with a Bible verse or a favorite quote that we like. So um, could you give us maybe your favorite Bible verse or quote? Sure. Um, I don't know if I'd say this is like my all-time favorite. And I have a hard time picking a favorite. But just in, in line with what we've talked about today, I think Colossians 1 verse 16 is fitting So that says, for by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, 
All things were created through him and for him. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs.